we're giving this month and as long as it takes but in terms of teaching we're giving this month to the subject of um lament and leaving things behind us and entering into things new things that god has for us well takes time and space to process what our emotional journey has been over the last while and in planning the nation to come out of lockdown and to planning as a church to leave our home for the last 10 years um, it felt right to have some space and time to reflect on the journey and prepare ourselves for the journey ahead which as Dan has said the destination of which is unknown to us at this time but God has spoken about the things he wants us to be focusing on now so it's not as if we're a people who haven't heard him and we're a people who are lost we are people on a journey and he's using this time of certain things being unknown to work in our hearts so more about that towards the end of the month when we do our Thanksgiving service, our Thanksgiving for 286 on the 23rd of this month, we'll be together doing that in place of what we would have had as our worship meeting. So three, three people in a week got in touch with us with a similar thought that we should give some time and space. Um, it really prompted us as a leadership team to make a response and to make this month a month where we can really get close to God with the losses and griefs and laments that we have. And I just want to thank those people who faithfully emailed us because we are the priesthood of believers. And if one of the things that God is saying is anything else, it's that we are that priesthood and we rely on each other to hear God and to bring things through. So for three of you in a week to come forward and say, actually, I feel God's wanting us to spend some time letting grief pass through us, letting... Um, you know, facing the, the losses that we have got, even if they're different for different people. And also just recognising the change and the loss of the 286 site um, as our home. You know, again, it, every change involves some sort of loss. And so to different degrees or other, um, we are needing to make some space and time, I think, for our emotional journey with God. So thank you for those communications. Keep them coming. You know, if you have something you think God is really pressing on your heart, during this journey, please do keep us in touch by emailing us at care at citylife.co.uk and the leadership team will get that if there's no other way of getting it to us and you don't see us in person because we really are believing that God will speak to us all and we are listening to what his, that he's saying. It's so important, isn't it? Everyone's had to embrace some form of loss throughout 2020 and the beginning of this year so far. Some of those losses have been greater than others. Losing loved ones, you know, without being able to be with them has got to be the greatest and most sad loss that people have had to face. Um, but other people have just faced loss of relationships, loss of livelihood, um, just loss of seeing people and facing isolation completely without much connecting points at all. You know, all these things have caused um, definite losses and griefs to us. And God cares about each and every one, whether it's a sizable one, whether it's a relatively small one. So it is beneficial to spend that time processing with God and with others when we are in this place. And I'm so glad that God hears and understands the cries of our heart. The Bible tells us that so clearly, doesn't he? Shows, the Bible shows us that, especially in Psalms and Lamentations. We know that there is a God who isn't offended by our questions and he's not offended by our cries of anger and disappointment and sense of sort of what's going on God he's not phased by that at all 
And in fact, he welcomes it rather than us take those things internally and destructively upon ourselves in other ways. So he is there to enable us to seek his face, whatever state we're in. And he doesn't label us as faithless or weak if we're struggling, which I'm so grateful for. We have an example of Jesus in Gethsemane, don't we? And it was shown in a, a video at Shine this morning for those of us who were on the call. Now, his mental anguish and sorrow were extreme. And he went there with his closest confidence, but they couldn't really support him either. They were, it says they were overwhelmed with sorrow themselves. And, you know, he poured out his breaking heart to his heavenly father before his arrest and crucifixion. And so God is aware of the deepest emotions and he is open to them. And God himself responded to Jesus in that way. The father responded and an angel came, sent an angel when there was no other human support. Um, so he sent that angel to Jesus to comfort him in his anguish. So God can take and understand our emotion. Jesus understands our deepest emotions. He's suffered them himself. And he doesn't demand us to suppress them. He just asks us to bring them. And we all know, I think, that if we don't process our deepest and darkest emotions well, then they tend to come out in some other unhealthy way, either in our coping mechanisms where we try and block things out with different things, or we maybe have unhealthy anger issues or other physical, emotional, spiritual damage happens to us. So it's very, it's very good for us to bring ourselves to God no matter what state we're in and particularly if we're very sad and we're very grieving and we're very weary and we're very disillusioned all these things he can cope with and welcomes us to come um, during lockdown quite a few of us I think have been listening to the BEMA or BEMA podcast B-E-M-A um, they are podcasts which look at the Bible with an eastern perspective which is obviously the perspective that was in the culture at the time when it was written and it's amazing the difference between the Eastern and Western mindset and culture and perspective. And it's mind blowing to see the scriptures using both mindsets. It really does bring them into a new dimension. And I've been really enjoying them, as have many. And their episode 57 is on the book of Lamentations. And they make the following two main points. Lamentations is a conversation between an observer narrator and a woman who feels deserted. She's widowed, betrayed and distressed. And the woman laments before God and she questions him. She asks him, who's ever treated us like this? Is it right to treat people this way? So she's holding him responsible for her pain. And she's coming to him in this way, absolutely undone. And mercifully, God takes this questioning from us without, as I say, offence and without rejecting us any more than he was offended or rejected by that book in Lamentations. And the lady is asking her questions. And the second point they make is that it's written as a poem with very well-known patterns and repeats familiar in Eastern writings and in that culture. And they're intended to draw us right into the heart of what God wants us to know in this passage, in this message. And the central point, if you get to the very central point of all the patterns in the book of Lamentations, you discover at the very essence, the very core of it, you see the word hope. And there becomes a forward momentum from this part uh, of central hope from grief that gives a new perspective. And it forms as despair retreats and fresh hope and redemption come through. And the Book of Lamentations takes people on that journey. It takes this lady 
on that journey. So hope is what comes when we go to God with our lament. There have also been many helpful resources. I'm sure some of us have um, experienced and enjoyed um, reflecting, helping us reflect on our grief and losses, and especially through the Easter season. I was very blessed by listening to Lectio 365, and other people really um, were blessed by listening to the prayer course too, the second prayer course, which was featuring unanswered prayer. And all these 24-7 resources are available to any of us. Um, and certainly they've been really, really helpful and will be helpful to this process if you haven't already um, tapped into any of those. But on Easter Sunday, Lectio 365 noted the questions that Jesus asked within the events of the Easter week, or what we would call the Easter week. So when Mary encountered Jesus in the garden, mistaking him for the gardener, having found the tomb empty and thinking his body had been stolen, in John 20, 13, the question from Jesus to Mary was, why are you crying? He's inviting her to share her pain. To the two on the Emmaus Road, the risen Jesus, not recognised by them, but listening in on their conversation, um, speaks to them. And he, the question to him, to them is, what are you discussing? What don't you understand? In Luke 24, 17 to 25, you can read about that. But he invites them to share their confusion, their potential disappointment. And he gets stuck into those conversations with them. To his disciples, Jesus asked the question, why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your minds? Luke 24, 38, he invites them to share the crisis of faith they're having. And there's a few people who've been having some real crisis of faith during this time. And it's worth knowing that you can take that. You can take that to God. Jesus invites us to take it. He questions us so that we can. And to a guilt-ridden Peter who had denied and betrayed him, Jesus asked three times, as we know, one for every denial that Peter made. Do you truly love me in John 21, 15? And this invitation is perhaps the most profound because it enabled Peter to rid himself of the guilt and shame that he'd been carrying ever since he betrayed Jesus. And it enabled him to re-express his love in spite of his failings. And it's great to know we can express our love of God, even though we know we fail in so many ways, to show him that love, to express it maybe as we'd like to to other people. We can still come. And still assure God that we love him, but we need his help to do better in maybe expressing that. But there's the welcome there to take that to him and to rid ourselves of the guilt and shame that otherwise might come upon us. Going back to the findings in the empty tomb in John 20, 13 to 17, we realise that Peter and John had gone with Mary to the tomb. And they rushed off having seen that he wasn't there and the angel spoke and they'd gone. Mary, we know, lingered in the garden, and it was her lingering in that place of grief and confusion that opened up the encounter with Jesus that she had, albeit that she thought he was the gardener at first. And we know that he revealed himself to her, calling her by name and showing her that he was her risen beloved rather than the gardener she thought. And maybe that shows us that it's worth taking the time not to rush off to actually spend some time processing with God the things that we're feeling and thinking so that we have a chance to encounter him within those things. He's there with us, always bringing hope. David, the psalmist, knew this for sure. I mean, any of us who've read the psalms realise that all his emotions are out there. I love it. You know, he's, a, he's an emotionally free man, isn't he? 
<laughs> one day he's up, one day he's down, he's bringing smoke and brimstone on his enemies and he's being gracious, uh, you know, all of these different times, it's all going on with him. And um, but he says in Psalm 116, 1 to 2, I love the Lord because he hears my voice and my prayer for mercy. Because he bends down to listen, I will pray as long as I have breath. And we need to know that even if our prayers are unformed and stilted and not always the best, he bends down to listen. He bends down to hear and respond. Some people find it quite helpful to practice examine. I know we're being encouraged at the moment as we're looking at spiritual formation of the leadership team. We're being encouraged to practice examine, which is looking at the day and seeing where there's consolation or desolation. And just working through those things. Consolation is acknowledging that there are things that have given us a sense of connection to God, to ourselves, to one another. God has definitely been present and we feel good in our inner self on account of that. Desolation is recognising times of feeling out of touch with God, out of touch with ourselves, out of touch with other people. Um, And maybe we feel feelings of confusion or turmoil or some negative reaction or another. And examine helps us to be thankful for the consolations and blessings, but to be able to turn from the shadow of our desolation back into God's light to just bring those things before him and allow him to shine his light on those things. And people encourage you to practice it at the end of the day so that you're going to sleep, knowing that you've sort of laid the day to rest and you're in God's hands as you sleep and you wake to a fresh day where his mercies are new. So that might be something that you might like to look at. I've encouraged it in the notes. I've written it down in the notes um, for May's teaching, which you can get from Adam. And uh, by getting an email to us, you'll you'll get sent that. If you're in a connect group, they'll get sent it as well. Um, those notes have within it examine if you want to look at that more fully. But God gives us ways to express our deepest emotions in lots and lots of creative ways, too, um, as well as us sharing things with others. But there's only so far that people can go for people. And sometimes it's just only God, isn't it? So it's best to go there first. Um, Many of those ways can involve creation itself, creativity in some form. But often creation itself will speak a message of God to us. And I'm not sure we're as good at using these, as using creation as people used to in terms of God used to speak through his creation to people all the time and they used to take time and space for that and they'd see him in their lives every day through the created world. But I'm not sure we focus as much on that as they used to. And I think it's something to recover. But certainly it can be really helpful to, to hear God and see God in the trees and their stability, in the mountains and their stability, his purity in the rushing waters and these sort of things that people... And David especially is very good at mentioning in his psalms. All of these things take space and time. That's the one thing about them that you you note. No matter which way you process with God and how you express your grief and lament and your emotional journey to him, it takes space and time to reflect, to observe, to hear, to create. You'll remember a few years ago that... um, God, as that scripture said um, about in Psalm 56, 8, that he collects our tears in a bottle. And then we focused on that a lot this morning in in Shine. But he certainly spoke to me about that and said to me that he had collected all my tears. I'm a big crier. There were quite a lot. There'll be more to come. He said to me 
that he'd collected my tears in the bottle and he was using them to water a garden. And I know some of you will remember this because I, I shared with you. And he said that together we could build this garden. It was the garden of my heart, but it was, I think I'm going to see this garden, the other side of earthly life. But anyway, he said I could plant in this garden everything I wanted to plant and I could have the animals in it I wanted to have. So there's no spiders and no daddy long legs in my garden in heaven. You just need to know this. And there were all sorts of other things, beautiful creatures that I could place them. I could look up their meaning as well. And there were things that he said he would surprise me with. So there was spikenard and henna and they had biblical meaning when I looked them up. And I put them all into this book. If you remember, I had this little book and it just had all the different things. That's one of God's there. The, whoops, can't do it. The, the henna, the pomegranates were something that I wanted in there. You know, there was the stag in there and there was the butterflies in there. And there was all these these different things that he spoke to me and I just recorded it in the book of the garden of my heart. And I've, I've been lazy with that recently because I've moved on to expressing things in different ways. But certainly it's it was a way of God prophesying to me. It was a way of God bringing me through a journey. Some of it easy, some of it more difficult. And he showed me that he was the master gardener in all of that and that he would meet me there. And it was a place where we could meet. And if you remember, he said he planted forget-me-nots as well so that I wouldn't forget him and he wouldn't forget me. Um, and then when I went on sabbatical in 2019 for three months, I discovered creative writing and journaling. And that brought me closer to God, closer to his word, as God brought scriptures to light on the journey that I was making with that. And um, one morning I looked, I looked out at the tree outside my window just recently and it didn't look all that great. And it, it represented really how I felt. Um, it was stark. It had been heavily pruned. And I thought to myself, I am that tree. That's how I feel. I'm just like that tree out there. This was my journal entry that day. The tree outside my window stands stark and bare in the face of spring. Bulbs sprout beneath its truncated branches. Bluebells ring their delicate bells in the morning breeze. Recently pruned, there is nothing left to tremble or rustle, all sounds and signs of life gone. A stump is all that remains of one branch, amputated because of disease, so as not to infect the rest. Every twig that offered camouflage and protection removed, including those that had formed the bird's nest and sheltered new life. All is now exposed and uncovered, all beauty destroyed at the hand of the gardener. Why such a heavy hand? Was such destruction necessary to leave no external signs of life? The gardener offers his wisdom. Right now, you cannot see purpose in the pruning, but wait and see what this tree will be. Roots are deepening, sap is rising, and in time, she will be stronger, healthier, and more beautiful than ever before. She will be the vision I always had of her, one beyond what she could see, because I am the master gardener, and she, the one who trusts herself to me. Point taken. And the psalm came, Psalm 72, 6 and 7. Your favour will fall like rain upon our surrendered lives, like showers reviving the earth. In the days of his reign, the righteous will spring forth with the abundance of peace and prosperity forevermore. And I'm pleased to tell you that even though it looks so dire, there are a few tightly furled little bugs 
that have come on the end of those branches and little leaves that are sprouting to frill off and soften off those hard edges. So there's hope for me, as I'm sure there's hope for you as you process the things that you are processing with God. So the people of God used to rely on the creator, as I said, speaking through his creation. They learned of his majesty and steadfastness from the mountains and trees, his power and purity from the rushing streams, as I said, his faithfulness from the birds of the air and the flowers of the field. Martin Luther said, you see Jesus making the birds our schoolmasters and teachers. Whenever you listen to a nightingale, therefore, you are listening to an excellent preacher. Paul wrote in Romans 1, 19 and 20, for what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. Ever since the creation of the world, his eternal power and divine nature, invisible though they are, have been understood and seen through the things that he has made. God will speak through the things he has made. David took comfort from that when he was low and grieving. Psalm 42, he said, here I am depressed and downcast. Yet I will still remember you as I ponder the place where your glory streams from the mighty mountaintops, lofty and majestic, the mountains of your awesome presence. So sometimes when we don't feel God is maybe near us or we don't feel as connected, let's just look at what is around us in its beauty and let God speak from there. Because I'm sure he, he will speak his beauty, his power, his majesty to us if we'll take the time to look. Whether that's in our times of celebration or mourning, definitely. I've just begun uh, reading a book called Rewilding the Church by Steve Acethorpe, and it's confirming what God has begun to show me. Yesterday, this was the subject of my video encouragement, so if you've listened yesterday on our Facebook page or wherever you, you listen to our video encouragements, if you do, you'll have heard a little bit of this theme already, although not exactly the same. So some of you may have a heads up. But this is a quote from the Rewilding book. Rewilding is a means rather than a specified end. In nature, when human control is diminished or ended and natural processes are allowed to reign, a sustainable, authentic landscape emerges. In the church, when our focus is on Jesus and being the people Jesus calls us to be, what will emerge is a living, growing, ever-changing church. Rewilding involves a conscious decision to loosen control and to allow the power of the spirit at heart, at the heart of the church, freedom to shape what emerges. And that describes our journey that we're on very well, I think, at this time. Yes, ex-Bishop of Canterbury, Rowan Williams, says this. Our church families need to be the result of when people encounter the risen Jesus and commit themselves to sustaining and deepening that encounter in their encounter with one another. We must not let a good expression of church rob us of the expression that arises from a genuine encounter of the gospel with the people whom God is drawing together. By creating and maintaining congregational models that require certain functions and roles, we forego a community that emerges from the gifts of its people, shaped by the context of their lives and the realities of the wider community. But where to start? Rewilding the church begins not with strategy, but with a new identity drawn from Jesus's followers, reflecting on who they are in him. So if you want to know what God is saying at this time, I can't put it better than the end of that quote. We don't have a hub to tell you. We don't have a structure to tell you about at this time. We don't have a building that we can buy at this time. We haven't got that. But what we have got is the rewilding of our church 
as he shows us our identity in Jesus all over again and as we walk that out together within our communities and we reflect on who we are and what we're called to and we rise up as that priesthood of believers. That is what God is. That's the journey he's got us on, rewilding our heart, both individually and corporately. And rewilding requires us to know ourselves loved, putting our roots down into Jesus and allowing our self-identity to be reshaped by God's word and discerning and stepping into his purposes for us. We need to rediscover our first love of Jesus and reignite our passion for living wholeheartedly for him. Because some of us have forgotten how to do that been a long time perhaps or maybe we've just got wearied out or maybe the circumstances recently over this last year and more have just had an impact and a bit of a toll on us so God's giving us this time to rediscover that again to rediscover Jesus and our passion for him to rediscover our purpose in him and to express that together as a family and as a body so the structures are a bit off at the moment but the heart is ripe the heart is ripe for God rewilding. This is surely our adventure. I'm close to finishing, but I'm going to finish with a, an absolute bang. So you'll be very pleased about that in a minute. But I just wanted to say that art and other forms of creativity can be a great vehicle for expressing our deepest emotions and our pain and the healing and recovering that can come from God um, when we take our pain to him. And so, apart from coming back after um, Mel, who is my lovely surprise in my talk, apart from coming back afterwards to just give us a time to pause about this, um, I'm going to end my talk with giving over to her to tell you a bit about her story, because she found the presence of God in a, a special way on her healing journey. She's been unwell recently, and God has brought her through that. And he's, with that, he's given her a gift of writing which is such a blessing. And I'm thrilled for her to be able to express some of that as an encouragement for us this evening. So just sit back and enjoy that for a few minutes. Thank you, Bev, for giving me this opportunity. It's, um, I'm feeling really nervous and it's feeling a bit raw. But um, so I, yeah, I was quite unwell um, sort of September through to December last year. Um, and that was kind of a horrific crescendo to a couple of years of on and off really struggling with my mental health. Um, and I, um, in in the most recent sort of uh, manifestation of that, I did end up in hospital um, for a couple of weeks. And, um, and that was tough. It was tough for me. It was tough for our family. Um, and... But so I guess I wanted to share that over this time I've discovered hidden depths in me. And there's two parts to that. Um, there's hidden depths that, that are the deep, deep, dark depths and um, the trauma of mental ill health and, and, and that, that difficult version of hidden depths. But more recently, um, God's redeemed that for me, and I found different hidden depths. Um, the richest gems are found in the depths, aren't they? Um, and so he's been bringing out in me um, a discovery of hidden depths of creativity that I never knew I had, and a really deep connection to him. And I 
have never written poetry in my life. Um, I, I, um, but it turns out I'm a poet and I didn't know it. (laughs) Um, now I think, and I, um, as I started to kind of give God some time, my time and my attention, um, like he'd draw out like a word or a theme and something someone had said or a book I was reading. Um, and I, I had this sort of sense of him saying, give me your time and we'll explore this together. Um, so I'm I'm going to share with you, and I'm really sorry, this is kind of a bit, a bit of a sledgehammer blow because I'm about to share with you probably my rawest poem <laughs> that I've written. Um I probably should have started with, you know, one of my happy ones, like the one that's called Tulips or Hope. But no, I'm going to share one called Mind on Fire. (laughs) Um, And that was because I was reading a book by Matt Haig and he he said about um, he was describing his journey with depression and anxiety. And he said, it felt like my mind was on fire and I just thought, oh, that just resonates. I, I get that. That is what it feels like. And then that's when God said, well, let's explore that then, shall we? Let's let's get some words on the page. Um, and the words literally just poured out. I just was like writing furiously. So um, I'm going to share it. So brace yourselves. <laughs> okay, so it's called Mind on Fire. Mind on Fire, a hidden pain secretly destroying, but deadly all the same. Mind on fire, not the good, you're smashing it, encouraging kind. No, the burn the house down, leaving no survivors kind. Flames licking at precious keepsakes and memories, turning them to ash, reducing days filled with hope to perpetual nights in a tormented crash. A fire with an insatiable hunger, that feasts on my every insecurity, my every tear, thrives on doubt and made bolder by my fear. It strips the good, making those bits I would hide more stark. Surely this version of me is too ugly to reveal, so I hide in the secret dark. What firebreak could possibly save what is left of this ravished mind? Will the rest succumb to the flames until all that remains is destruction of the irredeemable kind? Mind on fire, a hidden pain, secretly destroying. Must I do this again? But the good news is God didn't leave it there. Um, And I was only able to write that because that's not where I was when I wrote it. This is where I was in September, but but um, yeah, so I felt God then say, Well, we've got another poem to write, and He said, I want you to look up um, the concept of a fire break. Um, so so we wrote that one together. <laughs> Are you ready? So it's called The Fire Break. My mind needs a fire break, I cry to the wind. Something to slow this secret destruction. Something to stop the devastating progress. 
something to end this lonely suffering, something to give my mind rest. I'll answer the call, a voice replies, a voice I vaguely recognise, but one I thought had fallen silent in my cries. I've done it once, I'll do it again, declares the one who stands in the gap. Fire, you are not welcome here and you will come no further, he shouts defiantly. But to me, he turns with quiet, uh, with kind eyes, a softening in his countenance. You are mine. I delight in you. I make all things new. Let the renewing begin. The fire has been broken. I am the firebreakers and he is mine. Thanks, Mel. Absolutely amazing. Kindness of God and the faithfulness of Mel. Amazing combination, hey? Thanks for being vulnerable, Mel, because through our vulnerability, so many other people get help, don't they? Um, through the vulnerability, we begin to see what is possible for us and what's possible for others that we know. And so I just want to encourage us to think of creative ways of letting God help us through our emotional pain and our doubts and our confusion and our griefs and our laments. And it may not come out the same as Mel's, but it will come out some way and he will draw close and it will be a testament to his glory and his faithfulness. And so I just want to give us a moment to, I know Dan did this really before we got into the talk, but it may be that we are more placed to do it, in, in, you know, to think about it again now, having heard Mel, having heard some of the other things um, from this evening. But I just want to give us a moment to pause, to reflect and to encounter. Now, I'm not expecting something to be done in two minutes. I'm thinking it might just give us time to just, after hearing these things, to just reflect before him. Is there something that I need to plan to take to him? Is there something that I need to just bring before him? And even in the acknowledging of it in this pause, it just sets something in place. It gives us something we can go to God with later. It may be that if it's something in the moment, he might say something to you that just gives you some little bit of comfort and courage in this moment, but it may be that it's something you process with him um, over extra time. But I just wanted us to take this moment quiet. We're not going to go into breakout rooms tonight or anything like that. Just to take, we're going to end right now with just this pause um, so that we can take a pause and then we can say goodbye to one another and maybe go away and do more business with God this evening or maybe on another occasion. But let's just let him know what it is that's our burden, what's on our heart. Just let's take some quiet.
Lord, just in this moment, we bring to you our dashed hopes, our griefs, our laments, our process of loss, our leaving things behind that we need to leave behind, our passing through grief, our being made ready for the new that you have for us and the hope you have for us. God, I pray that you would work on these things with us over this next month particularly, but for as long as it takes. And that we might find those ways of expressing our deepest feelings to you, knowing you understand them, you felt them too. And knowing that you can restore and redeem all things. So God, I just pray that we would leave this evening knowing that we will speak to you more, that you will speak to us more, and knowing that at the heart of those conversations is the message of hope. That is the central message of any lament, is that we can find you and find hope. So Lord, let us take this away with us this evening. Let us brood over it and on it over the the next few weeks, Lord. And thank you for your care. You don't want us to just bury these things, but you want us to bring them to you. And you will be tender and loving and kind and restorative with us. So we bless you and we thank you for who you are. Thank you, you're the one who brings the fire break. Thank you that you're the one who brings the comfort. Thank you that you're all powerful to restore. We bless you. Amen.